0: Well, hello, my friends. I'm so glad you could be with me today in our Unfolding the Word of God study together. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. Today we're in the third chapter, and I want to pick up our reading in verses 16 to 18, some verses we've been looking at already for a couple of days. Let me read them to you. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We've been talking in these verses about agape love, because that's the Greek word translated by love in this case, which is selflessness, which is the word used in 1 Corinthians 13, the classic uh, verse or the classic chapter on love in the scriptures. We've discovered that the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of what agape is all about. If we want to understand how the selflessness and orientation of 1 Corinthians 13 works out in life, we follow through the Gospels, and we see it fleshed out in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, as we've already seen, the ultimate expression, the ultimate fleshing out of what the essence of agape is all about was seen when Christ laid down his life for us. And knowing the context of our passage, we discover that that is the marked contrast To the example laid down by Cain, who took the life of Abel, Christ gave his life and laid it down for us. Well, a lot of things involved in that, I won't review them today. I just want to set the context for our study today. Now, today I want to concentrate on verses 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how can God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. Agape love in the life of a believer is proven in how we respond to needy brothers and sisters. Obviously, that's the point. When you see a brother or sister in Christ in need, What do you do? How do you respond? And by the way, let me quickly note here, this passage is not referring to how we respond to people in general. Although uh, certainly it is in keeping with God's character that when we see needs in the world around us that we seek to respond to those needs as best we can. Uh, But this passage is not this general comment about how we respond to the world. It is focused on the body on the church of which we are a part, or that circle of Christians of which we are aware. What do we do when we see within that circle an obvious need in the life of a person? Uh, In your local church, perhaps, in that that closer circle of believers? No, there's a place where you would know enough about an individual to see a true need. Not just a need that somebody is telling you about, because people, of course, are pretty gifted sometimes in misrepresenting the circumstances of their life. No, this is a place where you're aware, truly aware, of the people and you see a clear need emerging in their life. Now, it doesn't get much closer to home than this, does it? God is turning our attention to that circle of people within our church, within that sphere of Christians of which we are truly aware, and he says, listen... What do you do when you see a clear need within their life? What happens to your soul? What happens to the deepest level of your heart when you see that need? And the passage tells us there are two possible options here. Two possible responses within an individual's heart when they see the brother or sister in need. And talking about the believer now, uh, two possible responses within them. Number one, a person can make a choice, as it puts it here, to close up our heart. Closing up our heart. Which means within the life of a believer, we see that need and we make a conscious decision to ignore what's stirring in our heart, which is agape love. Remember, that's the context here. We make a choice to close it off. The Greek word uh, refers to the idea of the inner parts of the affections. Some of the Greek scholars say the essence here is what is our response at the deepest level of our life, at the visceral gut level? God says, if we know Christ as Savior, Christ has God has poured his love out into our heart as a result. At the visceral gut level, we will be moved when we see that. And what he says, one of the responses we can make to that is to close our heart off to it, to, to try to put a wall around those emotions, to try to steel ourselves in a way so that we do not act on that impulse within to reach out with selfless love, agape love, to those needs. That's possible for the believer. God doesn't prevent you from walling off the stirring at the visceral gut level of your life of love to help a brother or sister in need. But understand, when a, when a believer chooses to do that, it goes against the deepest level of their heart. There's a price to pay, in other words. You start walling off the deepest level of who you are, and you become increasingly out of touch with the deepest level. And brothers and sisters, we know what's at the outer level. As Romans 7 puts it, there's another law at work in the members of our body warring against our heart, warring against our mind. Uh, We wall off that stirring that comes from new life in Christ. There's a consequence and it's an increasing callousness. It increasingly puts us at odds with the indwelling Holy Spirit who is prompting us to respond in light of that agape love within us and giving us the enablement to respond. Listen, the point here is that a person truly saved, truly redeemed, may well fight the inner urging, but they cannot prevent the inner urging. So here's the issue, Uh, when you see the need existing in a brother or sister that you're close enough to to be aware of their needs, you cannot help that stirring inside, but you can make a choice in light of that stirring to wall it off, to not allow it to direct your actions. Is that going on in your life? By the way, if there's no inner urging, then the question is, have you ever really come to know Christ at all? Because even as the passage puts it, <laughs> hey, listen, how does God's love abide in? Now, there's a few. <laughs> if 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 you have no inner stirring, God poured his love into our hearts when we were redeemed. If you don't feel it, if there's none of that inner visceral sort of stirring, how could you really know? And meaning you probably didn't receive, which means you didn't come to Christ. But the believer will feel the stirring but they are not forced to act on it. And some believers, perhaps many believers, will wall off those emotions. The second response that he talks about here is he says, opening our hearts. (laughs) You could be closing your heart or opening your heart, meaning uh, you'll act on the stirring that is going on within you. You can't prevent the stirring. But you can either wall it off or act on it. A believer can decide to open their hearts to that stirring of agape. Now, by the way, this means more than simply saying, well, yeah, I'll feel that compassion, that pity for some brother or sister who's really in need. Because true agape requires much more than emotion. It requires much more than words. It's not enough for us to feel sorry for brothers and sisters. And it's, by the way, not enough for us to feel affection for brothers and sisters, because agape love is a pragmatic sort of love. It is a selflessness expressed not only in our emotion, but in our action. And so God says, listen, if you feel the stirring within, when you see the practical need out there, I want you to do more than simply feel compassion. I want you to do more than merely feel pity. I want you to act on it. I want you to do something. Agape requires an action, not only an attitude. God says, what's your action? And the focus, by the way, is on people that we truly know. He says, when you truly know them and you see the need, act on it. Do what you can do. By the way, C.S. Lewis one time said, it's easier to love humanity than individuals. <laughs> In other words, we can, we can profess some compassionate care for the world around us without having to act on it. But when you see an individual that you care about and you know, and they've got need, God says you got to act on it. James 1, I'm sorry, James chapter 2, verses 14 tells us something similar. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? (laughs) Now, here's the principle. Are you acting on the stirring of agape when you see human need around you? Now, let me conclude this way. None of us will do it perfectly. And therefore, we are going to feel guilt and conviction because we will be very mindful of the times that we have not acted as God has called us to. How do we resolve that? Well, join me tomorrow as we continue further in our study of 1 John because the third chapter, beginning in verse 19, begins to talk to us about how to calm our condemning heart. Join me then, won't you? God bless.